So I started to do like reach out. I knew I couldn't have like a normal guide because that that would not work out. So I needed like a, a trail runner. And I just wrote in my details and I, I was contacted by a guide, which used to be one of the best trail runners in Nepal. He, he won. He was running across the countries in like 40 days straight. He won like a lot of races. Like his he, he, his CV like was really impressive. Bloody hell! Is that slightly dangerous? I don't know. So it was definitely my longest backpacking trip ever. Never been traveling as as long, and it's to be honest, it's something I always wanted to do. Like I, I've been traveling a lot, but always been like you know, shorter trips. I think also like traveling for so long. I think it was nice to have the running thing as well. Put some like the purpose routine to to what I was doing. It was not just like a new city and and yeah, new people. And it was also like I had this thing on my own, which I also wanted to do. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode, where I'm joined by Tor Mitba, who I met in Langtang Valley in Nepal just a few months ago, or maybe a month ago now. Tor has just completed a seven-month to eight-month backpacking trip, and we're going to talk about that said trip today. But more intriguingly, Tor is a trail runner. He has combined traveling to running trail running and even doing some marathons and some races alongside traveling as well so we're going to talk about those two things combined super niche is super cool welcome to the show tour how are you doing thank you james thank you for having me i'm doing doing well doing well just uh just uh, finished my trip back in back in norway also mm. norway now. yeah and enjoying the, the short norwegian summer so you're back for the norwegian summer dream yeah for sure i mean uh I pretty early knew that I will will go back for summer. We only have like two months of summer, and uh, <laughs> so and it's really beautiful. Um, so I definitely, definitely plan to to stay the summer back home. Back home. Nice. And we're going to talk about Norway. Actually, we're going to go straight into where you're from, Norway, and trail running. So you're obviously from Norway. So whereabouts in Norway are you from? Yeah. So I'm, I'm from Oslo. So I'm born and raised in uh, the capital. Um, yeah. So yeah. I grew up here, but I, I studied in another city called uh, Trondheim. A bit north, like the middle of Norway. Okay, I think a lot of people just don't know many places apart from Oslo, do they? They they see yeah. they see it on Instagram, but don't actually know specifically the places apart from Oslo that I find. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like when someone went traveling, people ask me like where in Norway I'm from, and they're kind of like relieved that I say Oslo because that's <laughs> what they know. <laughs> Did I experience that when we sat in that cafe in Nepal? I think the, the, the Swedish girl asked where you're from. But but being Swedish, you would I I assume you would know where things are in Norway, right? More than somewhere else, like people from UK or people from USA. I'm not sure. Yeah, I hope so at least. <laughs> okay, and in terms of growing up, I'm going to ask. Firstly, was travel a part of your experience when you're growing up? Um, not really. So, like my family, we we didn't travel much. Uh, like we we had like a summer house. Uh, 
where my my mom grew up, and we went there like every week vacation, you know, like the winter, the fall, mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, so always the same place. I did like envy like the other kids at school traveling to like cool countries and different places. In my childhood, we had like two trips to to Copenhagen to go to okay. the table table in Copenhagen, and one trip to uh, Gothenburg in Sweden. Okay, and, like those three trips was like everything we did. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we didn't travel. I mean, yeah, we didn't. I didn't see much. And I, but I think that's actually affected me a lot because when I got old enough to travel by myself, I, I really did that a lot, and I went to see places. And yeah, so travel has always been something I've been doing a lot when g- getting old enough to travel by myself. Do you know what I ask that question a lot, and uh, that's almost the same answer. Like a lot of people who travel now didn't seem didn't seem to travel when they're younger. Maybe because the intrigue and this is there. Like, oh, what is out there? Because you've not seen it. But if you if your if your friends are traveling all over Europe, for example, I mean, when they get to adulthood, they kind of got a bit of a head start, but maybe don't have the ambition to see more because they've seen it uh, a lot already. Yeah, and I think also people travel as kids. Sometimes they are like dragged by their parents to like yeah. museums, and they don't really have like a, a good memory of traveling. So, so that's sometimes maybe yeah affecting people as well. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. That I wonder how many times people travel with their kids. Is it for themselves or is it for the kids? I wonder what the ratio is between the two. Yeah, I think like younger kids uh, just give them a ice cream in a pool and they're happy. <laughs> if it's hot there, yeah. If it's uh, in the depths of Norway in the winter, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it'd be fun with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, and I remember you. We, we talked in when we met in the pool uh, in the long time. We talked about you trail running. And you said, I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, that trail running, again, wasn't inspired by your parents when you were younger. You didn't do much of it. That's something that came along by yourself. So how did you get into that? Yeah, I mean, like, growing up, I, my again, my parents and stuff, like, we were outside, but we didn't go much hiking. We didn't do, do a lot of that. Mm. Um, so I think I got more into sports from school. And, yeah, so I did, like, played uh, football. Uh, growing up and also I went uh, cross-country skiing yeah um, so so I was pretty active I guess uh, in those things and I wasn't really good like uh, my cross-country uh, technique was not the best but I, I was so I kind of compensated by being like working hard and uh, working out a lot so I think I, I got pretty good endurance from from that and then I started actually running pretty early uh, just like never I was never in like in a team yeah started running like 10ks and and did like longer and actually uh, by the age of 13 I did like a half marathon um, oh wow so I was I guess I was quite early uh, doing that but then I, I I don't know what happened but I got I got I got sick in a way like I couldn't really do that you know, that much anymore I was growing a lot yeah. and things happening so I kind of stopped yeah, I didn't do like compete anymore. So I just kind of kept run, just running and being active, but then yeah, didn't really do any much races and stuff. Okay. And with the cross country skiing, just a side note here. I'm not a skiing expert cuz I don't ski. <laughs> but cross country is, excuse my ignorance here, is back country, right? So you're not just going to like a local mountain and going down a ski slope where everyone else is doing it. You're going into the countryside and then skiing from one place to another. Is that how that works? um no not really like, like cross-country skiing and then you do you have like tenure skis and you, you go on tracks so there's like uh, groomed tracks so that you okay. follow in norway like most places have tracks around like the city in oslo you have this as well so right so you follow 
tracks and you can do backcountry is like another thing i also enjoy a lot but that's something i did later and that's uh, then you go like you said you go off in the in the nature and you have like no no tracks at all and you have typical like uh, brother skis right so it's cross-country skiing is like maybe more what we are known to do but backcountry is different where because the backcountry skiing is uh, I, in my mind i've got those like videos of those guys getting dropped off in helicopters and they go down these like huge mountains like mm. that's the extreme yeah backcountry skiing right yeah and it's uh, it's a lot of fun i mean uh, i started yeah i doing it a lot like last last years so that's one of the things i really missed this this year traveling yeah. going backcountry skiing because uh, it was a great way to to see the nature in the, in the winter and you don't need to you don't need to, need to hike back like it's uh, you go skiing down <laughs> it's takes like a, a fraction of the time going up so yeah yeah get those snowshoes on the go yeah that'd be pretty cool i that that is something so extreme for me like i i can't even imagine me skiing in like those really flat tracks that you get from like families or four-year-olds that do them the backcountry skiing is like way over there it's pretty cool though pretty cool sporty type that you are so how did you think about maybe combining running with travel was there anything like when you're younger where you thought oh maybe i could go to different countries and like do races or go to different countries and just run not back country but you know like from towns to towns did that ever come into your mind when you're younger as well i guess not really i think that uh, combining those interests is something happened later in life okay um, so i guess i mean i was traveling and i did get some city runs sometimes but uh yeah i didn't really plan anything like larger than that um but i have been combining like before starting trail running i'm combining uh, i like hiking a lot like i've been hiking in other countries a lot that's also yeah. been uh, i guess like a bigger and also yeah going to different continents planning around like a big hike or yeah find a mountain to to, to get up so nature has been well i guess always been important but uh, more the older i get like less intrigued by drinking and <laughs> that kind of stuff more more nature prone i guess i think that does usually happen when people travel a lot i think There's also another guy called lawrence that we met in nepal uh, i think he was saying that he was backpacking asia for sort of the first time but he's in his early 30s so he got stuck into the i guess the party lifestyle in southeast asia which is great but i think i got stuck into that 10 years before that i don't think i could do that again so it depends what journey you on i think in terms of the types of travel that you do but that's pretty cool and uh, before we get into the details of that i, I quickly want to ask about norway uh, i assume that you've seen quite a bit of your home country and i was going to ask just maybe some one or two spots that people should visit in norway that are definitely worth the visit i mean oslo is obviously a guarantee because you probably will land there but outside of oslo where should people visit yeah i mean actually first when i got old enough to travel i didn't travel to norway i went to all the other i want to go other places so ah okay the last, I don't know, still like five years or maybe a bit more as, as well, I started to actually uh, to see more of my own country. And uh, yeah. yeah, if you're into to nature and uh, hiking and all that kind of stuff, like Norway's, I think it's a really, really interesting country to see. Like it's a lot of cool nature. And even though I'm from Oslo, I don't really recommend men going there. It's not anything particular. I think it's pretty good coffee. Uh, so <laughs> oh, yeah. Can... Now I'm interested. Probably <laughs> 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 uh, not the, the right person to ask, but I know um, it's famous for good coffee. Like this guy called Tim Vendelbu. I don't know if you heard of him. No. Nope. He's a famous barista or coffee maker. 
Okay. So, yeah. so also it was good for coffee, but but for nature, it's uh, I think it's two regions that I would recommend. Uh, and you can also, depending on where you where you fly from, you can also fly into Bergen for for quite some of course. places. Yeah. Uh, and from Bergen and going like up following the coastline there is really beautiful. I guess you have the fjords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of hikes. You can also go by train to different places, um, go by boat. It's breathtaking. Like it's uh, going a fjord and you have like 10, like thousand meter peaks on both sides of the, both sides of you. And it's, uh, yeah. Wow. When, when people look at Norway on like, google or i don't know instagram or social media i think the pictures that come up are the fjords aren't they like those dramatic sceneries where people are just standing on like on a rock and it's like they're looking out to amazing scenery and stuff like that is yeah. is routinely rated in the top three countries in the world to visit right norway always is yeah but yeah but you still need to i think it's important that you know also norway is pretty far up north so the climate is uh harsher even yeah, uh, so I do recommend like going in the summer, uh, and then July and August probably is the best best months. Yeah, but still at that time you can still in the mountain things still snow. Oh, wow. Okay. So lucky. So, <laughs> you should, uh, you should. and some of those those like most famous hikes, uh, we talk to people like working there, like maintaining those hikes, and they say like every on average every day they have to like uh, evacuate people by helicopter because people God. start hiking without like yeah with sneakers and yeah uh, one bottle of water and uh and nothing to eat so and it's mm. uh, an eight hour hike uh and the weather can change pretty quick so yeah to look into what you what you want to do and make sure you are uh, equipped and experienced enough okay and is there a second region that you'd recommend yeah. the second region is uh, Lofoten. Uh, it's a lot further up north uh so Thing of driving from Oslo, it won't take you like 20 hours or something. Wow, it's, really, it's, it's quite far. Yeah. Um, but that's um, it's also probably my favorite. I think actually my favorite trip ever was like a road trip. I had like three weeks driving around like Lofoten area and like camping and hiking and and stuff. And uh, it's also like really breath- breathtaking. Like it's, the mountains are just going straight from the um, from the ocean and it's uh, it's really it's really like cool and you should definitely google it if you're, if you're interested and and there is a lot of a lot of things to do and uh, it's a very interesting uh, area as well so could you combine maybe like if you do july and august that's your trip to norway could you do like one month in the fjords and then one month in this place further north could that be like a good two-month trip definitely i think that's yeah. uh, and also i i would do recommend like staying some time because if you're unlucky you if you go for like one or even two weeks you might be unlucky it's gonna rain the whole time yeah i'd say like at least have three weeks because then then you you will get some nice days that's a good tip that's a good tip and and also if you have time you can you can fly into a place called uh, a town called Tromsø, which is even further up north um which is i think yeah, people go there in the summer, but it's more famous for winter and uh, the Northern Lights. Uh, but that's like a city, and they have everything you need. But still, like just around it, it's it's the nature is really really beautiful. And and, and I actually stayed there for a, for a half year, like during COVID. So I was able to relocate oh, wow. off for work. Uh, my work had like an office up there, and I asked if I could could get there, go there, and and I was lucky enough to, to do that. And also there was when my, really my mountaineer, like my trail running in the mountains uh, 
uh, Spark really started because I did did one race up there uh, two years ago from now. Okay, I think really really started my my passion. Oh, okay, interesting. Have you been to Svalbard? Uh, I haven't been there. You haven't uh, been there. No, definitely on my list. Definitely on my list. It's one of the most northernly populated places, right? In the world, yeah, actually, or maybe the most. It's, it's the most yeah, one of the towns there called New New Olsen. It's actually the most northern town uh, in the world, I think. Wow, that's yeah. on my list. Yeah, yeah, and also people do live up there, and in the capital at least, like the Longyearbyen. Yeah, uh, people live there, and and you also like there are polar bears walking around, so you can't <laughs> go walk around without like a, a rifle because. Uh, <laughs> In the summer, would they get any temperatures that were considered mild? Or is it always just like super cold? Oh, yeah, I think they will be mild. Yeah. Okay. So there won't be snow like around. Not warm, but milder for sure. Yeah. Okay. The, the problem with polar bears is they don't hibernate. Any bear that doesn't hibernate. Yeah, yeah. They're really hungry in the summer, at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be careful. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, Norway is somewhere I've not been tragically which is a criminal act I think because it's always in the top five countries in the world to go and visit I think maybe the one thing that puts people off maybe slightly is the price it is quite costly isn't it yeah but it's I don't know at least the current situation is our our currency is doing really bad I mean it's really, oh okay so it's, at least compared to the to the euro and the US dollars because I lived like one year in the US and that was like yeah. back in 2007 oh just for the crash yeah and at that time it was uh i remember like one norwegian kroner was like five us dollars and currently it's like uh, i think it's 10 i don't even check oh wow double double yeah yeah so, and also like towards the euros as well now like it's uh so norway's not not it's not the most expensive country in europe anymore like switzerland denmark is is higher and i think we're equal with uk at the moment <laughs> doesn't surprise me yeah <laughs> Yeah, Switzerland was a different level as well. Yeah, I went there. Like, a coffee was six euros. I couldn't yeah. believe what I was seeing. I was almost sick. Yeah, it was tough. Let's get into your backpacking trip that you just completed. Uh, first of all, I want to know how long was it in total and how many countries did you travel to? And, and what countries? Maybe you can list them as well. Yeah, so it was uh, almost seven months in total. I left my job early November and then I started traveling like the middle of November. Yeah, started up in uh, Vietnam. Uh, spent like three weeks there first, mm-hmm. and then I uh, had to leave early because I had like a race uh, planned in in uh, Northern Thailand. So I did okay. my my first uh, ultra marathon uh, in uh, close to Chiang Mai uh, in Thailand, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, yeah, it was a, a really great experience. Like the nature there was super beautiful, really cool race. So many people. I mean, it's also really surprised to see how big tra- uh, trail running is in Asia. Oh, wow. Like, like it was 1,400 people competing in like the 50, 50K. So, <laughs> wow. That's a lot. A lot. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was really fun. After that, I, after Thailand, I went to Malaysia. It's also in Laos and Cambodia. Um, mm-hmm. my, my coffee friend came and met me and we went and we also went, we did like ultra marathon also in uh, in Angkor Wat. So Angkor Wat, yeah. lovely, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. running around the, around the temples there. <laughs> um, what? Crazy, crazy, crazy. crazy experience. Yeah, yeah. Was that like yeah, starting at uh, night and then yeah, you see sunrise. Uh, yeah, I went from Cambodia to Laos back to to Vietnam to do the middle part. 
Yeah. Uh, another friend coming there, so we did that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then I went to to Bali in a couple couple of weeks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Indonesia, and then Lombok. And after Indonesia, then I went to to Taiwan and spent almost yeah like three and a half weeks in in Taiwan before going to 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 Nepal and meeting you in Langtang. And that was the last trip, right? I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, before we went home. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. That's a pretty decent trip. Seven months is a good amount of time for that because it's not too rushed. You can see a lot, and you gave yourself quite a a good amount of time to see a lot of those countries in in depth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, it was definitely my longest backpacking trip ever. Never been traveling as as long, and it's to be honest, it's something I always wanted to do. Like I I've been traveling a lot, but always been like on shorter shorter trips. So, but I yeah. think like even since I finished high school, I always kind of wanted to to do this like long long trip, and mm. uh, I'm really happy I finally had the courage to just just do it. Yeah, that is the biggest probably advice or lesson to tell someone is I know times right now are slightly difficult because we all know the inflation and stuff, but if you can just maybe take that leap and go and do it, I don't think age really comes into it as long as you just get it done at least once then that's, that's definitely a, a cool experience. When you were booking this trip or thinking about this trip, where to go next, were you thinking about races that you could do and that did that dictate where you went and at what time? So were you booking, like you said, you mentioned the Northern Thailand 50K race. So after that, were you thinking, well, I've got, now I've got another race booked in or I want to do this race in this country. Is that how you travelled across the region? Yeah, at least in the beginning. So, uh, I, so when I knew I was traveling and then I just looked up, up uh, like different races and then I found the race in, in Thailand and uh, so, uh, so I definitely planned that and so I had three weeks first and I decided to do, do Vietnam first and then the race and and also the, the race I did in Cambodia was also planned around to mm-hmm. make sure to get, to, to get there in time but, but after that I was I've been more in like a training phase I guess okay most of my races uh, are now in the summer uh, yeah. Area. So I've been, yeah, actually been trying to not to race all the time because I think it's good to train too. So, um, okay. Uh, but also, I guess it's if I was lucky to have found races when in my current itinerary, I would probably do it. But I didn't wanna, didn't let like after that, I didn't let like uh, races decide. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Go and so. And is there like two parts to try running? So is there one part where? You are racing and the second part is a bit like nepal where you're just like hiking it's not a race you're just like hiking a trail and that is you know you, you are running that but it's not like a race you're just doing it in your own time right so is there like two parts to it yeah i mean to be honest like the, the biggest part and the part i i enjoy the most is the, the non-race part of it i mean it's mm. the just being out in the nature being doing stuff in yeah, your own pace in your own and uh, going where you want so that's uh, what i've been doing definitely the most uh so for every and races this has been like a small part of it i find like, racing is fun uh, mm-hmm. I, I love races but uh it's just a small part of it because uh, uh training is uh, it's more fun i mean this is more normal yeah okay so before we get to like the non-race part i've got one question about a race to so the anchor what race that you did mm-hmm. did they close off the whole site for this race no, they didn't. Didn't close it. So, ah. so we we did run like yeah different places, and we did run, run around like some of the, the ruins. I did, we didn't go into actually Angkor Wat. We, okay. we did 
did some other things close by, open for everyone else as well. That's cool. In Southeast Asia, was there any hikes or walks that you trail around that were really good that you'd recommend maybe some people they should check out? There was a lot of good stuff. I think actually my, my, my favorite trail run was in Taiwan, actually. Oh, it was, okay. It was not really like a, like a long long uh, long one at all i think it was yeah. like his name was like dulian forest or something it was close to taishong it was really like well maintained maintained it was still like trail it was like it was not like super easy it was still have to like quite steep as well so mm-hmm. it, it was a hiking trail for sure okay uh, for me i found like it was really nice to run some elevation which i enjoy and it was really fun to run down this kind of more more technical parts so it was really Mm-hmm. I think that was my, actually my favorite favorite uh, trail run. And is that a one day hike and back? Yeah, uh, for me it didn't take. I think it took I don't know, max two hours, so it was nice. Right. I did longer ones as well, uh, different places. And one of the I, one of the the ways I did to because like going to another country, it's it's uh, you have to find where to where to go. I mean, if you're training yeah. in your own backyard, you know exactly. Yeah, what's here and where you want to go. So it's a, I guess it's a more challenging. So if you really care about like being the best trail runner, I, I wouldn't recommend traveling <laughs> the world because it's, uh, it's yeah. uh, it is a bit challenge, more challenging. But uh, on the on the flip side, yeah, like you get to see so much more new stuff and so so much cool nature. I'm usually using mainly two apps like called like uh, Wikiluck and uh, All Trails. And I think this is also for hiking and. So it's kind of the same uh, same things, and I mean, I was using also hiking trails. I don't didn't look specifically for trail running. Got it. Usually the same. I also what I did was I would looked for like prior races uh, in that that region, and if there was like, like a prior race, they also uh-huh. usually they uh, published their GPX file as actually the GPS uh, route. That's cool. So, so then I can download it and yeah. upload it to my watch, and I can just follow it. And these routes are usually like made like these really nice, nice trails. Yeah, that's a great idea. That that's great because then you don't have to like really think about where you've got to go. You can just do the GPS route. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Makes things a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, and that's. Yeah. I also always try to like. I didn't. I didn't really go out on any uh, any places without like knowing where to go. So usually I had to download like a uh, this uh, to my watch. To, to follow oh, okay and how often would you like combine maybe you got your trail running but just like normal traveling you know there must have been parts of your traveling where you you weren't running or training right it must have been just the the generic backpacking around yeah yeah so yes yeah. because i like uh, it's two parts of me like the one the travel part of me uh which is more i guess a normal like a normal traveler yeah which is going to new places meeting people seeing seeing the sights, eating the food, like doing all that kind of stuff. And then I had like the, the running parts. So I think also like traveling for so long, uh, it was, I think it was nice to have the running thing as well. Like it was some, it put some like purpose, the purpose routine to, to what I was doing it was not just like a new city and, and yeah, new people. And it was also like, I had this thing on my own, which I also wanted to do. Did you meet anyone traveling that was doing the same thing as you like trail running? Yeah, I met uh, at least like during the race. Like I went, went in Thailand. I met met some people. I was yeah, I was traveling around, but uh, not for us as long. Uh, mm. so I met some some people, but uh, usually it was hikers. So the next place we're going to talk about is where we met in Langtang in Nepal. So obviously you made an effort to go up to Nepal. Uh, Langtang Valley Trek was on your list, and for me, it was always on my list to go. Uh, but there was one caveat this year, which I've talked about on my other podcast episode, and that's the 
the need for a guide. So obviously my first question is going to be if you're going to plan to trail run a hiking trail, you had to look for a guide that could do the same thing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, up until Nepal, I, I think I was more like a backpacker, which I trailed around the places I, I went to. So I, I went to like an island in Thailand where I just ran around the beach. So I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really gear like so much towards the running part. I did that just when traveling. But yeah. going to Nepal, that was kind of different. That was kind of my end of my stay. And I also wanted to kind of prepare myself for the runs, I, the, the, the races I had back home. So, so I wanted to do, do more, yeah, more running and, and also doing, doing the mountains. And my plans kind of changed a lot from the, the new rule with the guides, because I also saw that and I was like, wow, I did not uh, anticipate this because my, my first plan was doing the Annapurna circuit independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when I read about the guide, I was like, uh, so I started to do like to reach out because I, I knew I couldn't have like a normal guide because that's that would not work out so i needed like a, a trail runner so there was like a, um, a web page like uh, nepal trail runners trail running sites they have like a place you can apply if you want to go uh, and trail run and they just wrote in my details and i, I was uh, contacted by a guide which he used to be one of the best trail runners in nepal he, he won he was running across the countries in like 40 days straight and, uh, yeah, one of like he won like a lot of races. Like his he, yeah. he, he his CV like was really impressive. So yeah. he proposed for the Prince Circuit, but uh, for me it was too expensive. So I didn't want to okay. want to do that. So that kind of changed. I changed my mind. Yeah. And I was also unsure. I was I was almost going to the, the Everest region because I knew there. I heard like they were not enforcing it. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking maybe I would go there, but also a bit. Uh, bit afraid of the elevation because there is like you fly mm. to, to look like it's pretty yeah. high so but then uh, Langtang Valley came up as uh, as an option and um, and to be honest I'm really happy about it because it's really a beautiful place yeah because the the hike is actually it's fairly short if you just do the town Serbi Bessi to Kinjan Gumba at the top that can be depending on how quick you are two or three days maybe five or seven depending on your ability so it's a fairly quick hike and obviously for you, it'd be super quick. So was your plan changing as you go? Or did you think, okay, we can go to Langtown Valley in this amount of time, and then you actually hiked back to Kathmandu afterwards. So did you have a certain amount of days that you plan to book a guide for? Yeah, so he, he proposed the like the 10-day itinerary. Yeah. Which was uh, like we're driving to a town close to Sirabesi. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and we started from there and went up to Langtown. Uh, and back again and we also then did like another pass kind of so we went over uh, like four three thousand four thousand three hundred meters uh, pass mm-hmm. which is also like a really interesting part um, because it was like a hindu pilgrim uh, route so suddenly like from long time like you're meeting mostly like international hikers yeah and suddenly we're just mainly uh, like local local people hiking in sandals and yeah, it was really weird. I got in four thousand meters, like it's and you meet all these people. That's, I mean, definitely not not geared what we would say like uh, for this kind of bike. But uh, but also, yeah, very interesting and like staying in the in the tea houses with all these people, like uh, really struggling hard, like really working hard to to get up to this this kind of lakes. Yeah, uh, Gosankunda. Gosankunda. Yeah. Yeah, I like a bath. So that was, that was pretty cool. 
and I actually had some snow for my first first time in uh, on my trip. Yeah, in late May. Then, then we had some had some snow before going going down again and uh, yeah, carrying on uh, towards uh, Kathmandu. Your plan was pretty much the first what three or four days was doing the Langtang Valley trek, the traditional trek, and then you done the day hikes to Kinjinri and Seko Ri, right? You done those two day treks up there. Then after that was back to Kathmandu via the Gotengunda Lake. Okay, that's a pretty cool and quite fast ten day itinerary. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. We actually did extend it as well, like because we we were moving faster than his his plan, so we we did like an extra loop. Uh, <laughs> right. but, uh, but still, like we didn't do like super long days, so mm-hmm. uh, it would, I guess it's kind of similar to the hikers. Usually, got to do tea houses around like or, like early afternoon. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we didn't start. We didn't start early at all, so it's uh, it's good when you're doing it like many days because uh, I would would not be able to kind of to run like full days uh, when I carry on like for, for, for like ten days. That would be too far. Yeah, how did you find the increase in altitude when you're going up the Langtang Valley trek, and also after that into the into the lake? Like in the lower like lower lands, that was uh, it was also fun. Like I, mean, I think I was kind of like leading the way my dad was kind of struggling behind in the beginning <laughs> okay uh, but once we kind of got up further up then it was like the other way around so <laughs> i was definitely better uh, acclimatized to to the altitude uh, and that was for me like a big big difference i mean yeah it was definitely like harder to to move fast and and definitely more hiking it's kind of interesting because i might have just like sore legs from long days but up in the mountains i didn't go that far so i didn't have that problem but it was just yeah, the head was like pounding, and yeah, uh, and, yeah all those signs of altitude sickness, which is, was also like, I mean, they had some, I mean, going down from the Turikuri, like 5,000 meter peak. Yeah. And they had some really beautiful trails. So it was just super beautiful. So we, we started, we did run all the way down to uh, Kashangumpa. Uh, it was so, so fun. But then my head was just. Yeah, found like crazy. So I just get some uh, painkillers straight away. Once yeah, I we met another guy called Lawrence. We had a laugh at this because I saw Lawrence a few times in Kathmandu before he went to Hong Kong. And we we're saying that so Seko Ri is a day trek from Kinjin Gumpa. So you do your Langtang Valley trek, you get up to the village, and some people might stay there and do these day hikes. And one is Seko Ri and one is Kinjin Ri. And Kinjin Ri is a bit a bit lower in altitude, but Seko Ri is, is quite a big altitude difference from where the village is it is 5,000 meters up um, in terms of the altitude and you're at 4,000 I don't know what Kinjin Gumpa is uh, roughly around that so it normally takes between seven and eight hours I think a normal person to do return but you've done it in about three and a half to four right yeah I don't remember exactly the time but yeah, <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was before lunch <laughs> so like most people just got there at lunch at the, at the peak but uh, you're already back to town so that's a pretty impressive time. But up there, I can imagine in the morning as well, amazing views must have been incredible. Yeah, it was definitely my, my highlights, like in terms of views. Yeah. Definitely like another world to see those peaks. Yeah. All snow, snow capped and uh, yeah. And clear day, isn't it? Because I think, well, the local in that cafe that we met said that before 12 p.m. it's pretty clear. So you need to do your day hikes pretty early to get up there uh, and see the views before the cloud comes in. But unfortunately, I couldn't do either of them because I was too knackered. I think for me, that was just enough, the Langtang Valley trek. Um, but it's pretty cool to see your pictures on there. That's pretty pretty impressive to go up there. And it's funny that the this guy that you had, 
was kind of struggling at lower altitude, but really coming into his strength in the higher altitude. It's pretty intriguing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So he's definitely been running a lot in the mountains. So he was, uh, I think, also on the way up to uh, Turkey, he was just like kind of leaving me. Probably the only place where I actually think that I could be okay to have a guide because it was, yeah, the, the trail was just like filled with snow and it was not super easy. Yeah. But I think he, he wanted to, to show that it was fast. So he just left. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And you would recommend Langtang Valley as a trek, you know, normal hikers? Yeah, I think definitely. You got everything. Like, I feel like it was really uh, authentic with uh, yeah, the people there and the whole, the whole experience. So, in addition to the really great scenery. Yeah, lots of tea houses, lots of options to stay. And not too busy, I thought, our trek. I don't know what you found about that. No, definitely not. So, no. I guess it was also like in the end of the, the season. So, mm. perhaps more uh, at other times. But, uh, in Langtang Valley, I was the only person at all the tea houses I stayed at. So, like, the only guest, me and my guide. Yeah, I think I only saw one or two people in my guest houses. So, it's a, I guess they share it out to make sure people get at least one one trekker in. Yeah, I think so. That's a good, good thing. How did you find the price? Was it more expensive than you thought? Like in terms of the, the food at the, the guest houses as you go up and also the guide price, would you say it's fair price or is it quite expensive, do you think? I think it was fair priced, to be honest. Okay. Uh, but so in, in Langtang, I paid all in advance, like even for food. So so I just saw the menus. Yeah, I didn't pay anything. I paid everything in, in advance. Oh, wow. Okay. So so he, he want, the guy wanted, for the 10 days, he wanted 600 US dollars. Yeah. Uh, and I said, I'll do it for 500. And he said, okay. okay. So that was what I, I paid for, for those 10 days. Oh, that's not too bad. That's a pretty good price. Yeah. Ours was about, I think, 700. But, but that includes a Jeep return. So maybe that's actually, if you don't include the transport there, then it is way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair we enough. went all the way back, so we didn't even take the bus. So. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you hiked all the way back to Kathmandu. Yeah, that's pretty insane. The question about Nepal, because obviously we would have seen the same stuff on the way up, but like when you were hiking back, especially back from the Langtang Valley to Kathmandu, you must have seen places that I just don't think the generic traveler would see. Like you must have seen some real authentic like locals, I mean, unless you're trail running or specifically visiting those villages, like I wouldn't even know to even go the way you went back to Kathmandu, right? Because you just go back down the way you came and get the get the cheap or bus back. So you must have seen some like real proper authentic villages and towns. To be honest, like we kind of followed like a ridge most of the time. So we weren't really going down to the villages, which was oh, okay. further down. So right. we all stayed at like tea houses, which was kind of geared towards... And to be honest, like the only, the most authentic part I actually fa- felt was going up to, to Kusankunda, because there was just yeah. so many local people. Like, yeah. it was just, uh, and then you met all these people and you talked to a lot of the guys doing this. And that was, that was really cool. Yeah. Once you kind of passed that, then you, you, you kind of went back to the, to the international uh, crowd again, because there was also some other people hiking. Right. Uh, hiking from, from Gosankuna, I don't know if all the way back to Kathmandu, but they're at least part part of the way. Yeah. Um, and because, while the locals there went back again, so mm. came up. Uh, so we didn't really go into too many local villages. A quick question before we get to Annapurna, because you went there for briefly, I think five or six days. Would you say uphill or downhill is easier for you on those treks? Downhill, for sure. Um, I mean, I guess uphill was okay when I was hiking, but downhill in the beginning i was like because in nepal there's a lot of like stairs so they're yeah. like mad 
stairs, which is uh, which is different from mm -hmm. it's not really like typical trail. I yeah. usually don't trail run on stairs. So in okay. the beginning, I did uh, I just struggled with it. I didn't yeah you need to find like a pace and so uh, but in after a while I actually kind of got got into the into the flow. So I got better. I guess it's not the most fun terrain to to work on to, to run on. At least like in altitude, it's uh, so much more fun going down than going up because it's <laughs> yeah 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 that's true. Painful. <laughs> Actually, I thought the trail was like annoying up until probably almost like a few hours for Langtang. But from Langtang up to the Kinjungumpa, like it's a really nice trail. It's just like you know, it's not too steep. It's just gradual. There's no steps really. Uh, that was quite enjoyable actually. At the start, it's quite step heavy, a lot of yeah. steps. And I do agree with you. Like the best, the best trails were was, was up like really up in the mountains there. Yeah. So I also wish it, uh, there was less stairs, but. I guess with those amount of people going there, it's, it will be hard to maintain yeah. the rain. And also think like with the rain, I think that was also like the reason why they're making stairs because the tra the, the trails would just uh, run away uh, or flood away with the in the monsoon season. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, and then you went to Annapurna. So you said you wanted to go there initially, but changed your mind. But you did end up going there for five days or six days. Yeah, probably winter for yeah for around around that time. So I and I so I, I went to to Pokhara first. Yeah, spent some days there like relaxing too. So yeah, and I actually did like one. Once I got back the day after I got back to Kathmandu, I, I then found a trail like a, a trail race uh, in Kathmandu. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I signed up for it like just before before going. So so that was. Uh, yeah, so the day after I was pretty tired and it was like a 15, it was not long, it was like 15k. Yeah. It was still, yeah, running around the mountains there. So so after that, I was pretty tired. And also there was like some food poisoning the day before. Actually, on the way back from meeting you, uh, I think uh, Lawrence, he said something about Momos, that he was getting Momos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that started something. So just before I got to my hotel, I saw like this small place, uh, they were like closing down. Uh, but he said like, oh, we have chicken momos. That's the only thing he has left on the menu. Menu, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll get that. Oh wow! In the middle of the night, I woke up and oh yeah, out <laughs> everything, and so. So was that after the New Orleans dinner? Yeah, exactly. On the, so the you, way back. So you had dinner there, and then you went to get momos on the way back, hmm. and then Lawrence's recommendation gave you food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I had this. Terrible long uh, bus ride to Pokhara the day after. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is that's savage. That is that's not good. I was pretty tired by the time I got to Pokhara. Yeah, uh, I needed some days to to rest. <laughs> yeah, ten hours on the bus. That's pretty standard for Nepal. Anywhere you go, isn't it? Yeah, it was really, really, Horrible. really bad. Was... Yeah, <laughs> got to Pokhara, recovered, and then you went to do part of the trail, right? Annapurna tra Trail, uh, on your own, not with a guide. Yeah, so like talking to you and other and Lawrence, figuring out like you can actually go with other guides. So then, then, then spark. Then I was thinking like, yeah, then I, I want to do something in 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 Annapurna. So I didn't have time to do the whole circuit. Yeah. But uh, I was I was saying I had some days. So I was first I was considering like another route, but then, uh, but then I was yeah. I, in the end, I decided to do the Annapurna base camp uh, trek. Yeah. So so I started. Started that and I did like had did in four days. But the first day was I started pretty late, so I didn't go far. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, there was two days where I did like when I went up there, like uh, almost to the top. Next day, I went to the top and I went all the way down again. That was really long. So I was that was like probably my longest trail runs. So I was like between yeah, like thirty and thirty-seven k, and it was like up to one day was like more than three thousand meters of elevation as well. So, in one day. In one day, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. bloody hell is that slightly dangerous i don't know i feel like it, actually hiking in nepal is super like these kind of trails is super safe like there yeah, is yeah. houses all, all like everywhere like you didn't even, you don't need to go far and you find like another place yeah and they sell food and they they can give you everything you need and the trail is impossible to get lost like yeah. it's it's super well maintained so if you're doing too much and you feel like you're just going too much in elevation you could probably stop to stop at a tea house and stay there right yeah, and, and that was what I was doing as well. Like I, yeah. I wanted to push it a little bit to to test myself. Yeah, and I knew I could I could just back off from the plan. Yeah, uh, at any point. Yeah, because the base camp is I think it's four thousand meters, right? Yeah, like four four thousand one hundred. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, mm-hmm. so you start at one thousand. Yeah, I don't remember exactly how where I started. Mm. But I think I'm a bit higher, but yeah, okay. you go up and down a little bit. So yeah, and how did you find it? The base camp there. And the base camp, I mean, it was really cool with the views of the, the Annapurna. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that was the first time seeing like an 8,000 meter peak. And that was, and also we had like, I went there up there in the morning for sunrise and it was just super clear. Um, you could see, uh, yeah, really good uh, good views. And that was fun. They actually had the, the uh, Annapurna marathon there the next day. Uh, I almost joined it, but I was, I was, uh, I knew that I <laughs> needed to, to, I shouldn't do that. I would kill myself. So then this starts at the Annapurna base camp and you run all the way down again. Oh, uh, bloody hell. <laughs> so... <laughs> we did talk about that. If you're going to join the, uh, the marathon, we all thought you probably wouldn't. Cause I think you're pretty knackered. You're pretty tired, but yeah, that's wise move. But it's funny, like uh, I ended up going there anyways, but, uh, yeah. uh but uh, I guess it was fine. Like not to to just do it by yourself and you because it's nice to put like a bib on my my, on my yeah then, yeah then I, if something happening it's hard to go slow so yeah go in your own pace so yeah yeah wise move and the last question about Annapurna did you get like checkpoints or did you get asked if you had a guide at any point I mean like when I bought uh bought uh, the permit they yeah they just didn't ask anything and or they just asked me if I had a guide and I said no and there was no problem at all wow no, so it's, it's really interesting to see like how different it is on the ground from what you were hearing. So yeah. So I could have done the, my original plan without a guide, no problem. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to see, and and also on the on the trail, like it's it was actually my uh, initial plan was going on another trek called like Mardi Himal, uh, and there they didn't even didn't even check the permits. So it was only like when we went. Wow. The, the base camp but then they were actually checking the permits so yeah so, like, that's interesting uh, isn't it because I, I didn't i didn't know about this until i probably met you guys and then when lawrence started saying that he had no guide yeah i was like oh wow they're not yet actually enforcing it but i i just remember walking up langtang and when my guide went to go and like hand the documents to the thing the guy was just not interested he, di- he didn't even look i was like ah oh, he's not even checking that's when i first had a bit of an idea that maybe you don't need a guide the only question is is whether they start in the trekking season September, whether they start to enforce it or not. I guess we'll see. It's uh, impossible to know what's actually going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I've got some sort of questions to finish on your trail running. Yeah, your backpack. So obviously, if you're trail running quite a bit, how heavy was your backpack? Until uh, before Nepal, I only had like a 
like a race backpack, so like okay. more like a day hike thing. Okay. So, but then since I knew for the first time I was going to Nepal, I want to do like a several day thing. Yeah. Uh, which is called and it's called fast packing. It's like a special name for it when you actually kind of backpack or going hiking for several days with yeah. as a trail runner. So I bought like a specific backpack for that purpose, uh, and the one I had was like a that was a twenty liter backpack, so it was not big at all. Okay. So I really had to to be careful to what to bring. So I really had to uh, put my mind into uh, finding like the, the only the bare essentials. Uh, and I didn't, I don't know exactly the weight. I didn't, but it's no. definitely like a lot lighter than everyone else's backpacks. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Weird question. I've not actually added it here. Uh, water. Did you have your own uh, bottle where you filtered the water or did you buy it on the trek? Uh, actually, I actually bought it. Uh, okay, and bought it. it was included in the price. So, so oh. since I paid everything in advance, so it was like no reason to not get bottled water. Ah, interesting. Okay. Would you have a like a maximum amount of miles or kilometers you'd trail run a day? More specifically, going to like multi-day hikes here. A maximum, like no, no more. I shouldn't do any more. Or was it just about how you felt on the day? Yeah, I think it's more how you feel. Uh, and. But also like elevation put kind of also if you get going higher than three thousand meters then that's also gonna yeah uh, be important to have that put in, in into the equation if you're going for more than yeah several days i think i wouldn't go further than like at least not 40k okay um but i to be honest i haven't done any other than nepal that's what like my first multi-day trail running uh ever so so this still kind of i guess i had to learn what's the too far uh in the future so i guess now in the future you might have a better idea about how to maybe plan those days out because the day hikes are, are fairly easy right you just go up and down it's done but multi-day yeah. hikes you just need to think about what you're carrying how much you're doing per day where you're going and stuff like that yeah it's a, a, a very different thing mm. i think it's a lot of fun and i know there are different places in the world you can do multi-day trail running uh hikes as well so yeah, so definitely something I'm gonna do, and I think uh, yeah, and also when I did Annapurna, I, I did kind of push the distance more than I did with the guide in uh, Langtang, and that was also to kind of get more uh, information about like uh, how my body is gonna react to different uh, different like stimuli. Yeah, so, where do you think next in the world would you like to do a multi-day like trail running hike? Where, where would you go? Yeah, that's. I mean, now you're starting with what's gonna be my I guess my next next trip. Um, yeah, my current plan is to stay in Norway until like early October. Yeah. Then I'm all going to travel. And currently I w- I'm thinking of going somewhere in Europe, like so- South Europe, maybe going to Madeira or Azor, Azorina, like in Portugal. Portugal, yeah. Yeah, Portugal. They have some really, I heard some really nice trail running yeah. uh, places over there. Yeah. So, so then I also want to do more than multi-day thing. Okay. But it's still, I'm still a lot of, I don't know yet, but uh, that's, uh, I'm most likely going to be somewhere in Europe. I guess the next question would be, after that, are you planning to travel more or back to Norway for the skiing? Uh, yeah, I, I want to go back to ski this year, but uh, so but I don't need to go back that early. So Okay. So currently, I think I will, yeah, I want to travel until February, somewhere in February. Oh, I think. wow. So I'm still not. 100% sure where to go but right. currently I'm, I I got intrigued about uh, Oman from you oh yeah Oman yeah and I found a, a trail running race there in uh, in end of November 
Ah, that's awesome. So yeah. Things works out. I might uh, go there for that time and probably not gonna probably gonna be a bit more better temperature than <laughs> when you went there. Yeah, I was gonna say like November, December would be an awesome time to go. Yeah, real comfortable. Uh oh, that'd be great. Where's the race in the month? Do you know what city it's in or whereabouts in the country? Oh, I don't remember. It's, okay. uh, it's more in the mountains, so it's Yeah, we didn't go to the mountains because you need a four by four to go up, to drive up there. They have yeah. some rules about that. Um, unless you run up there, it'd be fine. But yeah, the two by fours, as I said in the podcast, you need to make sure uh, some checkpoints let you through, which they do and some don't. And that's just based on the law. But just get a four by four and you'll be fine. But that'd be cool in the mountains. So that's where we'd go next. I'm, I'm glad I inspired you to go to Hmong because that's a great country. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing where you're going to go. Uh, we're going to finish the episode on some quick fire travel questions. So these are just basically your favorite things you've seen on your travels worldwide. It can be anywhere, it can be Norway, anything you want. Uh, the first question. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free. You can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Is actually more of an admin question is how many countries have you traveled to well, i haven't counted in a while uh, but i'm guessing it's in the 40s okay and of those 40s which three are your favorites i'm gonna put on uh, nepal there uh, because that was really amazing yeah um, and myanmar uh when i went there in back in 2012 that was yeah. really amazing uh that really sparked my I love traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thailand. Just can't beat that. <laughs> okay. Three countries in the world that you've not been to that you'd love to go to next. You know, take, I don't know, running or racing out of it. Like just three countries. Like, right, I'd love to go there. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I always wanted to go to Fiji. Ah, nice. Yeah. So I don't know if that's probably not the best place for a trail running, but it's always been on my list. And, uh, and yeah. I had I else want to skydive and I wanted to go to Fiji. So I have been skydiving, but I still haven't been to Fiji. So okay, yeah, definitely somewhere I need to go. And also Bhutan, um, but the closed uh, closed off uh, country. They changed the rules. Do you see that? Yeah, they did. It's, not, it's now less. It's now less money to go. Yeah, I saw it yeah. on your uh, yeah. So that's interesting. So yeah. Must see. Hopefully, mm. it'll continue to. Keep going down. <laughs> yeah. I think I want to go to one of those like uh, Tajikistan, like one of those stand countries. Yeah, Tajikistan. Yeah, yeah. really no one, really no one goes. <laughs> it's it's starting to become a tiny bit more popular now because no one goes. So yeah. I, I mm-hmm. think it's the next region to go to fairly soon before people start writing, blogging, podcasting about it. If you can sit anywhere in the world in a city and drink a coffee and watch the world go by. Which city are you going to drink it in? I want to go to Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. I've never been there. Same. Yeah. Okay. Three foods or cuisines that are your favorite internationally. 
So Thai is probably my favorite. I do love Asian food uh, coming from there. So it's I feel like kind of biased towards Asian food. So Vietnamese food is also really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also like Italian food. Yes. Yeah, classic. Okay. If you could live in a country that you've not lived in before for one year, where would you live? I want to live in Indonesia. Then you can travel so many places. <laughs> yeah, it's like 600 <laughs> islands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be a good place. <laughs> okay. And what about a favorite walk, hike, or trail that you've done? Yes, Lang Tang. Lang Tang, yeah, well. Yeah, would highly recommend it. What about a favorite landmark? Can be nature or man-made? I went to Canyonland. Canyonland National Park in the US, like in New York. Ah. And I hiked there for, yeah, I did like a three-day hike with a friend. Yeah. And that was really amazing. Like, it's, it was... And then you have to apply for permits, and it's really... Yeah, yeah. So you kind of, when you get a permit, then you're you by yourself. You don't see really other people. And, oh, okay. uh, and that was really, you kind of walked into like a dry riverbed. Yeah. And on this, and you see like all this uh, erosion made like the rocks kind of look like people. So you kind of felt like really, I don't know, out, out of this world. So that was really like amazing hike. Oh, wow. That's a great recommendation. Okay. Awesome. And the last question of the podcast is one sentence to why someone should quit their job and go traveling. You only live once. You're gonna, you're gonna work. You work so much. So why? Yeah. And you're not gonna look back when you when you're old. You're not gonna look back and say, "Oh, I wish I was working that one year <laughs> instead of going and seeing the world." Yeah. That would be so much better. Yeah, I could not agree more. Okay, Tor. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's been a great uh, niche episode. This is a very unique episode where we combined a specific like trail running and racing around the world and combine it with travel it's been a great episode and it's been great to catch up yeah it's great being here thank you thanks Tor. thank you thank you for listening to my winging it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at james hammond travel or winging it travel podcast you can search for both i release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels you can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.